There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos only on 101.9 High FM. As we begin the second book of the Torah, Shabbos, Pash the Sefer HaGula, as the Ramban calls it. A very, very warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you so, so much for taking the time on a probably a very busy Friday afternoon. Some of you just come back from holiday. Some of you are just going to get back into the swing of things. Thank you so much for making the time to join us and be part of our radio show. Try to learn some Torah together. Try to prepare a little bit for this very special Shabbos Kodesh, also Shabbos Mavarchim. Today's program, of course, is is uh, being learnt as a as a refuah shalema for some of the cholim for Leia bas rocha for shulamis bas tevoila for sora bas penina for Jessica Eve bas Lisa for shulamis Leia bas. Uh, plus Asna, plus Shane Brocha, plus Naomi and Elisheva Leah, plus the Vora Metaka, the Zuchus of the Lima Torah that we're learning today and every week should be a full Shlema Mamish for all them and for all Sharach so all of the Yidden who are Krak Mamish anywhere in, in the world, particularly Achena B'nai Israel, the soldiers who are fighting so valiantly and bravely in, in Eretz Israel, and they talk all Bizeche. Do a full slam of a karov. The gamani shamati says Hakadish Borahu as Nakas Banaisal Boilai. The cries of Kaisal have come have come to me. You know, there's Tfila and there's a concept of tzaka, crying out, yelling, or kind of a, an infusive prayer laden with emotion and expression. Tsaaka is the prayer one offers when he is literally up against the wall with nowhere to go. He sees nowhere out, no form of salvation. Imagine one is walking in the forest when he suddenly chants upon a bear. He screams. Will the scream make a difference? Bears are really not moved by the screams of a human being. Nonetheless, when one realizes that this is it, he has no way out, he screams. Claudio was in Egypt, suffering from every form of persecution the diabolical Egyptians could possibly have devised. The Jews were certainly not on the appropriate spiritual plane, having sunken to the 49th level of Tumah, right, of ritual defilement. They thought that assimilation would gather further acceptance for them within Egypt society. They were wrong. As far as the, moral, as the morally branked up Egyptians were concerned, they were still Jews. They cried. They screamed. They had come to the end of the road. The Gemara Bar-Metziah, Daph relates that Drebi, Rabbi Yudha Nasi, suffered terribly during the last years of his life. 
He had everything. Money, glory, Torah, erudition, and achievements. And he wasn't debilitating pain. The ironic part was that this was heavenly decreed due to an incident that had occurred. A calf being brought to the slaughter broke away and attempted to find refuge with Rebbe. The venerable redactor of the Mishnah who made Torah Peh accessible to us replied, Lech kilekach notzarta. Go, because that is for what you were created. Since he showed no compassion for the calf, he was stricken with pain for the rest of his life. Harav Nosen asks, What did Rebbe do wrong? He responded with the truth. The calf was created to serve as food for human consumption. He explains that if someone sort of relies on you, if someone comes to you and pleads for help, <clears throat> you may not just send them away to his death. You must find some way to help him. So too does HaKadosh Baruch to respond to us when we are tzayak, when we cry out with extraordinary emotion. Hashem, we can turn to no one but to you. Please help us. Without you, we are gone. Surely, if we express ourselves with genuine sincerity, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to listen. This is 11.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a minute with much, much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. Shalom Mavrach The fascinating Gemara in Mesech Sanhedrin, you want to look up the Aflam and Alphon Beis. Shalom Ma'ukva. They sent to my Ukma Ukva. Lidaziv lay kebarbasya. And Rashi explained what does it mean? That they sent a Shailan Halocha to Nosan Tzutzitza, who actually, his name, real name was Ma Ukva. He was the Reish Galusa, the head of the Golos. And they wrote him as far like, they wrote him in, in, this, in this language. It says, Shulim. In other words, to someone who has the appearance like Moish Rabbeinu, who was the son of Misio Basya, Shalom, peace. And Rashi explains in the Devil Maskel, the Dezivle says, Kemoishe Shu Ben Bisya, like Moishe was the son of Bisya. The Misha Makrin Oraponov, someone whose face shone, Kemoisha Rabbeinu, like Moisha Rabbeinu, Shegidalta Basbaparo, who was raised by Basbaparo. And it's brought in, in, in the Haggadah that Ma'ukva was about Shuva, right? That uh, had a certain attraction for a particular woman. And uh, he uh, really wanted, he had a tremendous uh, love for, for, for her, and he became, he became ill from it. The problem was, of course, that she was a married woman. The story goes on that one day she was desperately in need of a, a loan, and she came to Ma'ukva, 
and Mokva said, I'll give you the loan on on uh, on condition that you'll be with me. And she agreed, and he controlled his Yetzara, and he sent her away without doing anything, and he was completely he was completely healed after after that. And when he was from then then on, when he used to walk outside, there was a light, a candle that burnt over his head, Min Hashemayim. And that's why they called him Rav Nosson in, in, in Shabbos. Right? So that's what, that's what they wrote. So they wrote to him, right, because of the light that used to shine over, over, over his head. Now it's, we see from here that someone who controls his Yetzirah, especially in Yonam of, of Arayas, he's Zoyacha to a special light of Kedusha from Shemayim. And he's like he's like Moshe Rabbeinu, whose face used to used to shine. We have to understand why did we they compare him <coughs> to Ben Bishya? Why didn't they say Moshe right uh, by himself? Moshe was the son of uh, of uh, of uh, Yocheved, not of not of not of Bishya. So perhaps we can say, and in fact, the the Charedim brings down is a special. Oruchni, a special spiritual light, and it's the color of of, of tchelis, which is a glow around the tzaddikim and around those who are chayzav chayzav b'tshuva, and this is the this is the spiritual light that was present over the heads of Ma'uklo when he did when he did tshuva, but certainly not everyone is able to to see this, but Ma'uklo. The Chachmei Agamora were able to see it, and therefore they mentioned Bisya Basparo. Why? Because she was zeiche to see the Shechina on the head of Moshe Rabbeinu, as Moran Saita says. When she opened the the basket and saw the child, what does it mean? It should say Vatere. What does it mean? Vatir Ehu. She was Zeche to see the Shekinah with Moshe Rabbeinu. Perhaps you could say further, they tell the story about Ramea Shapira, Rashiva of Chachmei Lublin, that uh, he uh, once gathered together some of the leaders of the community to a urgent, urgent meeting. Uh, uh, about a certain a certain topic that was very very uh, prevalent at that time and, and contained matters of pikuach nefesh, and he demanded to do some very very important things and very serious things in order to achieve a certain purpose. And the leaders of the community answered him that his demands are, are too high, and it's they they don't have the ability, and therefore they don't have. They're, they're, they're not going to be able to, to accomplish those things. So Amir Shapira answered and said to him, says, Chazal Omru, that the daughter of Paro sent out her hand to the Teva that was far away. And you have to, you have to ask, why, why did Bas Paro send her hand out to the Teva? It was too far away, she could never have reached it. Right? And did she think that why well, a person thinks so if a person sees something that's uh that's uh on the other side of the of the street and he wants it, well he can just ha- stick his hand out? We see from here 
when it, when it's demanded from a person to do a particular deed, he is not allowed to think Hashbonus is am, am I going to be successful? Am I going to do it? Or maybe not, right? Said you have to go do it. And in Shemayim, they're going to help you. And therefore, you could say that they Davka mentioned Basya in order to teach the Baal Tshuva that when a person is standing and he has a tremendous desire to do a particular Avera and he thinks that he's not going to be able to control himself, he needs to learn from Basya. If you try, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you and, and you'll be, you'll be, you'll be Matzliach in what you need to do. The Shabbat Levitch gives an explanation on, on, on this. grew up and they're born into You became like a son. And he explained it based on, on, on the story they tell about the Maril Diskin. Maril Diskin, who, who was very, very involved in, in, in looking after orphans and he took them into his own house in order they shouldn't have a very difficult time and later on as we know he established the the basis Simon Diskin right that uh, that uh, many of his uh, relatives and his uh, Talmidim right uh, 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 it's a beautiful beautiful uh, uh, building right um, and and it's still it's still there today at the entrance to to Yerushalayim so Maril Diskin once told his Talmidim that one of the orphans that lived in his house. So whenever the Rebbitzin used to wash his hair and, and, and put nice oils on his body, he used to cry and cry and cry from the beginning to the end. Mamma's like an orphan child. So I asked him, child, why are you crying so much? What hurts you? And why does it bother you so much when you, when you wash you? So the child answered in his tears. He says, Rebbe, Rebbe, whenever the rabbinit washes me, so I remember my Imla. I once had an Ima, and she also used to wash my hair and rub me down. And my Ima, when she used to give me a bath, she would also give me a kiss after, after the bath. And when she died, there's no one to give me a kiss anymore. Right. and no one can give a kiss like my mother used to give and he continued to you know, hot tears from his eyes Yabashuleib also began to cry and from that time on so the rabbinit after the bath would give him a beautiful warm kiss but still no one can take the place of a mother Basparai she managed to be so successful that the Tyra testifies about her, she treated him mamish like a son. And therefore we can say, they compared Ma'okva, the Baal Tshuva, to the Ben Basya, to teach us that in the same way as Basya, when she saw this Nar she saw this child crying, she had such compassion on him, and she adopted him, and she looked after him, until she was mamish like a son. So too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he sees a person that because of his Averis he's unfortunately gone so far from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but now he has Charata, he, he regrets it 
Right now, now he's crying. He want he he wants to come close. Takarish Baruch feels bad for the averus he done, and he sheds tears over them in pain. Hakadosh Baruch will adopt him, and he'll become to Hakadosh Baruch keben mamish until the Shechina is going to dwell on him. Halavai, we should be zeicher to that kind of feeling, that kind of care for for any people in our environment. Have a wonderful, wonderful Bach culture. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul. We are talking about the staff of Moshe Rabbeinu, which were done wondrous things by HaKadosh Baruch wondrous miracles, had quite a history. And we're learning now that the staff was given to Adam Orishan as he left Gan Eden, because of the sin he had done, because he had succumbed to the Yetzirah, to the Nachosh, he was given this as a weapon that we can use to fight the Yetzirah. And he, this explains why HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically put the, his own name, Hashem's name, on the staff that he presented to Adam Rishon. He wanted to teach Adam a really, really important lesson. <clears throat> if he carries the staff with him at all times to combat the Yetzirah, then even if he feels that he doesn't have the power to defeat it, he should rest assured that HaKadosh Baruch was going to come to his rescue. That's the significance of the name of Hashem on the staff. This is the message that Chazal are giving us. Man's Yetzirah overwhelms him every day and attempts to kill him. And if not for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who aids him, he would be unable to withstand it. So kind of apropos this, we find a wonderful, wonderful insight from the Chasm Sefer in Interis Moshe and Dafkan Pashas Kitzetze, which is related to the Pasuk says, When you go out to war against your enemy, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will deliver him into your hands, and you will capture its people as captives. So let's kind of summarize what the Chasm Sefer says. It says, it's written in Perik Yavis, in Perik Aleph, if I am not for myself, then who is for me? When I, if I am only for myself, then what am I? And if not now, when? Now Chazal said, if not for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who helps him, he would be unable to withstand the, the, the man's, the man's Yetzirah. says, now a person might think, that he should not go out to battle the Yetzirah, to conquer it, which requires such power and such courage, as in fact Chazal taught us, who is a mighty hero, right? So is a strong person, a mighty hero, who conquers his Yetzirah. So maybe he shouldn't take any action to accomplish this, but should rather simply rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to assist him and fight this intense battle for him. In truth, 
This is not so at all. Anyone who thinks this way will never have his enemy submit him. A person must always fight to conquer Yetzirah within his own power and natural abilities. The rest will come by divine assistance from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As they say, Morning Shabbos in Kuftalit, if one comes to purify himself, then they help him from Shemayim. He gets special Siyat special divine assistance. That's the message conveyed by Hillel. Im nimili, if I'm not for myself, then mili, who is for me? In other words, if a person does not act on his own behalf, who's going to come to assist him? me. And when I am for myself, meaning after the person has acted, then what is he? Without the assistance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, both have to work together. As 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 we have as we have explained, you know, as Hillel concludes, "Im and if not now, when? In other words, if this person decides not to fight against Yetzirah, but rather to wait until he gets old and reaches a point in life when he no longer desires the pleasures of Olam Hazeh, then he will perform tshuva." And HaKadosh Baruch will show him mercy. However, Chazal said, Praiseworthy is the man who fears Hashem. This implies that when he is still a man with courage and vigor, he should complete this act. That's what it's meant by, if not now, when? This is the message of the Pasuk we started with. When you go out to war against your enemy, is referring to the war against the Sietzara. In that situation, Hashem, Hashem Hakadosh will deliver him into your hands. Since someone who comes to purify himself, Hakadosh Baruch will get Siat Rishmaya and uh, from above. This is why Adam Arishan wanted to give that stick that was given to him before he was thrown to the next generations, to the generations that, that followed him. As we learned, it ultimately reached the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu, who performed all kinds of nisim with it in Mitzrayim. We're going to refer to a very, very important uh, uh, klal that's gleaned from the, the teachings of of, of the Arizal in, in, in Sharap Sukim, he explains why Klaiso was subjected to the difficult slavery and labor in, in the Golas of Matrayan. He explains, obviously in his in his special kind of way, that when Adam Arishan right uh, uh, did the Avera with the Etzadas, so he introduced a, a very, very fatal flaw into all of the neshamas that were included in his being. As a consequence, not only was he sentenced to death, but the death decree applied to all of the neshamas of Yisrael within him 
at the time of the historic sin, because we know that Odmorishan contained all the Neshamas of Kaiso. Nevertheless, we know that HaKadosh Baruch who wants all the Neshamas to achieve perfection, to be able to have, so to speak, a, a Tikkun, as is indicated by, by the Pasuk in, in Shmuel, right? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu ponders thoughts and devises all kinds of means so that no one will be banished from Hashem. Therefore, it was orchestrated from above due to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tremendous rachm, Hashem's, Hashem's uh, infinite mercy and kindness for all of these neshamas to go through a kind of a taira, a kind of a purification process in, in Mitzrayim. Initially, they kind of had a Gilgal, they reincarnated into the generation of the Mabal. However, they still behaved corruptly and were and were depraved. Right? That's evident from the Apostle, the Apostle in Bracious Perikvov, it says, Vayara Hashem ki rabba roas odambarat. Hashem saw that man's wickedness on earth was great. The Apostle specifies roas odam, right? alluding to the wickedness of Adam, and that the generation continued in his sinful ways. Subsequently, they reincarnated into the generation of the Dorhaflaga, and again remained guilty of Avayda This is evident from a postdoc there in Postdoc Yud Aleph that says, Vayered Hashem Liroes Esoir Vesamigdal. Shem went down to see the city and the tower, Asher Banu Bnei Adam, which was built by the sons of Adam. The Postdoc emphasizes the fact that they were descendants of Adam Arishan, right? They ultimately reincarnated into the Shamas of Yisrael in Mitzrayim. And as a result of the extreme hardship and suffering, they were purified and, and completely had a complete tikkun to the point that they were eventually worthy of receiving the Torah and, and Hasinah. This explains so beautifully the punishments they received in Mitzrayim, which exemplify the principle of Mida keneged mida, measure for measure, right? The generation of the Mabal were corrupt and depraved. Therefore, they were exterminated in, in the waters of the Mabal. Consequently, in Mitzrayim, Paro decreed, oh, every male child that's going to be born should be thrown into the river. The Torah describes the sin of the Daraflaga as follows. Let's go and let's make bricks, right? Let's make bricks so we can build the city and the tower. Consequently, they were punished in the time. Mida keneged mida, as it says. They embittered their lives with hard work, with mortar, and with bricks. Right? Lastly, 
corresponding to the city of Tower they built in the Dara it says, by even Ore Miskanais Lefaro is piece of Misramses. B'nai Israel built all these storage cities for Paro, Pisa, and Ramses. So we can conclude that the purpose of Golos Mitzrayim was to make a tick and make an opportunity for purifying the Neshamas that were damaged so spiritually by the hate of the Eitzadas. So, in line with this pshat, so the Shlach in Pashashmais explains why Klal Yisrael were enslaved specifically in Mitzrayim under the rule of Paro. For we find that Paro is referred to as the great serpent. As it says in in uh, in Yecheskel, so says Hakadosh Baruch Hu, I'm against you, Paro, King of Mitzrayim, the great serpent, which is kind of a, a sea monster that that crouches within its river, right, the Nile and its uh, and its tributaries, who has said, right, Leoiri, the Nile is mine, Vanyasisia, and I made it myself. Paro is the embodiment of the Nochashakadmani, the snake in Ganeden, that enticed Adamorishan to sin, along with all of the Neshamas within him. It was for this reason that the first feat my Shabena performed before Paro was having the staff turn into a snake. This demonstrated that he could subjugate the, the, the Nachash. So this really gives us a, a tremendous, tremendous a, a, a clarity as to the wisdom and foresight of Adamorishan. He passed on that staff that was given to him by HaKadosh Baruch Hu as he was being expelled from Gan Eden to future generations. He was aware that all of the Shamas right, that were contained within him when he, when he uh, committed the Chet of Sadas, therefore, the future leaders of Klaisro throughout the generations would be required to continue the process of Tikkun for the Neshamas that had been stained by the Chet Etzadas. By holding that stick given to Adam Orishan by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they would educate the Neshamas of Klaisro to wage a constant war against, against the Etzadah. So now we can begin to comprehend the wondrous ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He arranged for this special staff to end up specifically in the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu so that he could use it to perform those miracles that would facilitate the Yitzhiyas, the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. As in fact, the Arizal says, he says, no, that Moshe resembled Adamorishan, just as Adamorishan encompassed all of the Neshamas in the world, so to Moshe Abenu was equivalent to all of, of Klaisha. It was precisely for this reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically chose Moshe Abenu to deliver Yisrael from its time. Since Moshe was we know the Tikkun, the Gilgal, you want to call it, of Adam Arishan, who sinned with the Eitz Adas. 
it was fitting for him to rectify the Neshamas of Yisrael who were involved in that sin and and had reincarnated into the Neshamas of Mitzrayim. This explains so beautifully why HaKadosh Baruch arranged for the stuff that was given to other Mauritian to end up in the hands of Moshe. Thus, Moshe could teach Yisrael that the true tshuva, the true tikkun for the chet of Eitzadas is to always remain vigilant in the constant war against the Eitzahara. Right? That evil nochash waiting to ambush man at every possible opportunity. This also explains why HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to have the miraculous feats of time performed with Moshe's staff. This was designed to sort of inculcate in us the firm belief that the tzaddik possesses the power to change the forces of nature and bring about the downfall of the Rishoyim. This is accomplished in the merit of the staff that he holds in his hand and kind of brandishes to strike the Yetzara. Therefore, when Moshe Rabbeinu also wanted to overcome the, the creep of Amalek, right, later on, whose Malach in, in Shemayim is the Yetzara, what did he do? He told Yeshua, Right, I'm going out to the top of the hill with a staff of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in my, in my hand. So therefore, this, this concept we can also apply to suggest a very, very nice interpretation of Yaakov Avinu's statement where Yaakov said, with my staff, I crossed this yard. And Rashi comments in the name of a Medrash Agada, says he placed his staff in the Yarden River and the Yarden split. So, as we learned from the Pika Jabalaza above, the staff of Adam Morisha also passed through the hands of Yaakovino. Right, in keeping with this whole discussion, so we can, we can perhaps uh, uh, speculate that Yaakov Avinu always carried the staff with him so that he would be ready to combat the forces of Tuma, right, which are aligned with, with Esav and, and Lavan. Therefore, he possessed the power to mamish change the forces of nature and split the Yarden with that stuff. Right? So now we can begin to sort of comprehend in a small way the, these very esoteric kind of a, a, a conversation that took place between Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu concerning the stuff that turned into a snake. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Moshe to inform Yisrael that HaKadosh Baruch Hu plans to take them out of the Tumor of Mitzrayim, Moshe understood that HaKadosh Baruch Hu intended for Yisrael to perform some sort of preparation themselves. Otherwise, merely informing them that HaKadosh Baruch Hu planned to take them out of Mitzrayim would serve no purpose. Therefore, he protested to Hashem 
They're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to my voice. Because they're going to say, Hashem did not appear to you. Moshe was insinuating that because Yisrael had sunk to this 49th level of Tumah, they would not believe that they possessed the capacity to combat and overcome the Yetzirah. Therefore, they would wonder why HaKadosh Baruch would bother to send Moshe to inform them that he intended to take them out of Adam After all, it would be entirely up to Hashem since they felt that they did not possess the capacity and the wherewithal to overcome the Yetzirah and therefore was necessary to prove that to Moshe. We're going to see that in the next moment. This is 101.9 We'll be back in a moment to finish this discussion. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pasha, Shemais, Tov, Shin, Pei, Dalit. Although usually we provide the times and things at this time in the broadcast, we're going to do it a little bit later because we're just trying to tie up the loose ends of our discussion about Moshe Rabbeinu. And, and his staff. So we're saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had convinced Moshe. Right? Hashem said to him, Mazeb What is in your hands? In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was asking Moshe where the power he possessed to perform all of these wondrous feats on, on this mission came from. To which, of course, Moshe responded, from the staff. Moshe understood that all of the power came exclusively from the staff that he always grasped in his hand at the ready to strike at the Yetzirah. So then HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe, okay, throw it on the ground. In this man, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tried to elude the people's erroneous claim that since it is impossible to overcome the Yetzirah without Hashem's help, why bother? to hold on to the staff, to strike the Yetzirah. Similarly, it would be preferable to just throw the staff down the ground, throw in the, the white flag, and just rely exclusively on Hashem to give him the necessary power to overcome the Yetzirah. So then, he threw on the ground, it became a snake, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu conveyed a very important lesson says the moment a Jew throws the staff from his hands and neglects to fight the Yetzirah, it becomes a snake. The Yetzirah, which is none other than, as we said, the Nachash HaKadmoni, it arises to trap him in its net and causes his spiritual downfall. Because only if a Jew exerts all of his energy and power to combat the Yetzirah, does he then receive the Siyata Deshmaya from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, enabling him to, to, over, to overcome it. Proceeding along this, this discussion, so now we'll focus on what happened after the staff turned into a snake. Hashem said to Moshe, stretch out your hands and grasp its tail. He stretched out his hands and grasped it tightly and it became a staff in his palm. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is teaching us here right, an ingenious way to overcome the Nachash money, i.e. the Yetzirah. But first, let us introduce what the Maral 
writes in the Siva Salem, he brings there in, in chapter Dalit, he says he interprets a statement by Shlaim Melech. Shlaim Melech says in Kaelis, Toiv Yeled Miskein, Vachacham a poor but wise young boy is preferable to an old and foolish king. Rashi comments in the name of the Medrash, the poor wise boy is the Yetzatayv. Why is he referred to as a young boy? Because it does not enter a person until he becomes Bar Mitzvah, at least 13 years old. It's described as poor, Unfortunate, because the bodily limbs do not listen to it as they do to the Yetzirah. It's described as wise because it guides man sensibly and intelligently to do the good things. The king is the Yetzirah who rules over all of the bodily limbs. It's described as old because it enters one body at birth. It's described as foolish because it misleads a person to go astray along a wayward path. We learn from the Maral that the Yetzitoiv is portrayed as Chacham, as a wise, based on the qualification, says, Ezu Chacham, a truly wise person, right, foresees the consequences of all his action. He realizes that if he sins, he's ultimately be held accountable. Therefore, he does not fall prey to sin. And if he does sin, so straight away he does tshuva. When the Yetzirah persuades a person to commit an Avera, so the wise Yetzirah provides moral support. It encourages him not to be swayed or enticed by the sort of the glitz and the nonsense that, sa- that sort of uh, surrounds us in Oilam Hazeh. It helps a person realize that he is being duped by his desires and cravings and will suffer the consequences. Instead, he sees the world with open, intelligent eyes. He realizes that ultimately we are all destined to die and that nothing will remain of the meaningless desires of Ayam Hazeh. Furthermore, because of the sensible, positive influence of the Yetzirah, a person realizes that HaKadosh Baruch will hold him accountable for all of his actions. In the words of the Tana, Akavya ben Mahalel, before whom are you going to be held accountable? Before the King of Kings, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By considering future consequences, a person will avoid committing an Avera. <clears throat> For this reason, the Yetzirah is depicted as a foolish old king because it introduces foolish whims in a person's mind that confound and, and displace his wisdom. Thus, he does not consider future consequences. Instead, he is sort of enticed by the glitz of the present. So this explains beautifully a pasuk in Pasha's Hazinu, which says, Kigoi oivad For they are a nation bereft of counsel, and there is no understanding in them. Were they wise, they would have comprehended 
this. They would have understood from their end. In other words, what causes sin is not listening to the advice of the Yetzirah, the Chacham, to consider the end result of an action. Right? Like a wise man who foresees the consequences. If people truly understand the consequences of their actions, they will not fall into the Yetzirah's trap. They will realize this, and it doesn't pay to do an Averis. So now, let's explain the end of the, of the discussion of the staff. Hashem said to Moshe, stretch out your hand and grasp its tail. HaKadosh Boko hinted that the best strategy when dealing with the Yetzirah is to grab it by its tail. In other words, emulate the wise man who considers the consequences of his actions. Do not look merely at sort of the present appearances, but consider the matter all the way through, including future developments and ramifications. Realize that all matters of Olam Hazer are merely empty, deceptive, false illusions. He stretched out his hands and grasped it tightly, and it became a staff in his palm. By taking the future into consideration, he once again had a staff in his palm of his hand with which to strike the Yetzirah. Right? So that they shall believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the God of their forefathers, appeared to you. Right? The God of Avram, Yitzchak, and, and Yaakov. This conveyed to the people and Moshe was their legitimate savior since the source of the holy of us the strength was their constant vigilance. They were always ready to battle the Yetzirah. In this merit, they succeeded in establishing the house of Yisrael, a people that would follow in their footsteps until the end of, of, of time. So this is our, our man. This is the whole discussion here is to give us the strength, give us the strength. We are so often tested in so many different ways. So many different things appear as, yes, this is right, this is good, it's something we'd like to do, it's something that sounds so gishmat. But the question is, is it really? We have to sit down and think good and hard, listen to our and make a decision, is this really the right thing we should be doing? Does it really make sense? Is this what our Kaddish Baruch Hu would want us to do? Or are we actually allowing ourselves to be hoodwinked, to be duped by, by the Yetzirah and doing things that we should not be doing. This sugya of Moshe Rabbeinu teaches us, have a staff in your hand. Be ready at a drop of a hat to fight the Yetzirah. And if we fight the Yetzirah, then we'll get the Siyat of the Shemaya to be able to overcome him with Hashem's help. This is 101.9 The program is sold to soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Shemois, Tav, Shinpei, Dalin. Sorry for the sort of mix-up in the times, but we're just at the end of the show, and we still want to give you the important times for this coming Shabbos. So, the earliest time for lighting candles this afternoon is at 5. 5.38 is the earliest time for benching lit. And again, let's go for it. 
Some people still are not working, and even if you are, it's kind of still a little bit of a lighter Shabbos. Let us try to do it for the soldiers in Israel. Do it because you want to show your love and care for Shabbos. Let's start Shabbos as early as we can. 538 is the earliest time to bench licht, the latest time to bench licht this Friday this afternoon is at 6.46, 6.46, minutes before before 7. That is the absolute latest time. And of course, many communities will accept Shabbos earlier than that. They'll start maybe shul at quarter past 6, the standard summertime for Johannesburg. Again, every person must follow what his community does. And by the time that they will say, Ms. Mashiach Shabbos, you have to have accepted your own, your own Shabbos, wherever you might, you ever you might, uh, you might be. Uh, and again, 6.46 is the latest time. Do not rely on any time. After that, that's only for absolute emergencies. Uh, Shkia uh, today is at 7.04, four minutes past seven. That's absolutely the latest time for anything by that time Shabbos must have started in our in our homes although as we always say make sure that by 646 everything is organized and, and set up if you want to be able to uh, uh, say the Shema before you sit down to your meal so you can say Shema at already at 722 722 you can say you can say the Shema and then Sit down, make Kiddush, and have a really, really enjoyable, beautiful Shabbos, Shabbos meal. Maybe if the weather's nice, even sit on the, on the veranda and enjoy a beautiful, beautiful summer's evening. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Kiddush, <coughs> Parshas Shemois, first Parsha of the book of Sefer Shemois, which, as we say, the Ramban calls the Sefer Gula, and Ataka should be a time for Gula for each of us individually and for Kleisel as, as a whole. The Haftarah is the standard Haftarah for Pasha Shmois Haboyim Yashvish Yaakov. This Shabbos is Shabbos Mavorchim. Shabbos Mavorchim for Chodesh Shvat. Rosh Chodesh will be on Thursday this week. Thursday is Rosh Chodesh Shvat. And so you have something big to look forward to. And of course, whatever your shul does in honor of this is the week to do it. The extra talent, the shir, whatever it might be that happens in your in your uh, in your shul. Uh, the Shabbos carries on. We, this is this is the longest Shabbos of the year. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at seven thirty nine, which is the latest it goes. We have two Shabbos of that, and then it turns around and starts <coughs> coming coming back. So enjoy. A long afternoon, time to sleep, time to have a walk, time to socialize, and of course, plenty of time to sit and learn Torah, which is really what Shabbos is uh, is is all about. As I said, Shabbos Kodesh ends at seven thirty nine, and we go into a beautiful week of the Sefer Kodesh on on Thursday. Many of us will be getting back to our jobs, back to sort of so called normal routine, and big, big, huge hatslacha with all of that for whatever. The week the week brings well that's about all the time we have just want to take the opportunity to thank you all for listening to today's show i hope our discussion about the etzara was <coughs> inspiring and helpful and bez hashem just to wish each and every member of our radio thank you uh, a huge thank you and to each and every one of us a good gebenchte shabbos thank you bye-bye